0: The I Love You So Much podcast is proudly sponsored by Hilton. Discover Austin and choose from one of our many brands, including Hilton. Embassy Suites by Hilton, Doubletree by Hilton, Hampton Inn & Suites, and Home to Suites by Hilton. See more, save more. Stay at Hilton. Unlock local experiences at travel.hilton.com.
1: So I work for Nightly Spirits and we run haunted pub tours, which is the best kind of evening out. And one of our locations here in Austin is the Russian house. It used to be a boarding house back in the day. And on our very first tour, this girl comes inside and all of a sudden, her face goes white and she stiffens up. She runs out the door. We go after her to make sure she's okay. And she swore that something forcibly grabbed her by the arm. The really spooky part of this is we had not yet told the stories at the Russian House which does involve a man that died at the boarding house in the backyard reaching out for someone to help him as he choked to death. And people before we started giving tours had felt someone grab them by the arm. That's a lovely little thought while you have your peaceful dinner at Russian House. Nastrovya. My name is Katie Harrison, and you're listening to I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a
2: show
3: for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm Addie Broyles. And I'm Alyssa Vidalis, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake and the offices of the Austin American Statesman. What spooks you? Unsolved mysteries? Supernatural phenomena? A warm beer? In this week's episode, we invited Katie Harrison into the studio to talk about why we love spirits, the booze, and ghoul varieties. Her company, Nightly Spirits, hosts year-round ghost tour bar crawls in more than a dozen cities, including Austin. We talk about her own encounters with the unexplained and why people love exploring a city's history through its spookiest citizens. In keeping with the Halloween theme... Austin 360
2: staffers Emily Quigley, Katie Pinchik, and Joe Gross joined us for a toast where they talked about the spooky things they've been loving lately and why.
3: Let's kick things off with Addy and Austin 360 beer, wine, and spirits writer Ariana Auber about what it's like to conjure up a good time with spirits of all kinds. Katie Harrison, welcome to I Love You So
1: Much. Oh, thank you. I am happy to be here. It is the season for spirits, and we don't just mean ghosts. Oh, exactly.
2: Tell us a little bit about Nightly Spirits and the idea behind it.
1: Uh, Nightly Spirits is one of the largest ghost pub crawls in the nation. We actually have cities. We have 10 cities across the United States, and we serve thousands of people every Friday and Saturday night. The cool thing about it is it is a history tour, it is a ghost tour, and it is a pub crawl, all mixed up into one. So why did you want to combine those things? Uh, Because it's like the three coolest things ever, and you combine it, you have a great night. Do you come at this from a spirits? I guess I need to be more specific.
2: Do you come at this from a supernatural perspective or from like the bar industry?
1: I personally come at it from the the spirit, the supernatural, because that's the part that interests me. I've worked in the bar industry for many years, but it's not as fun. So it's definitely the spirits and the hauntings. So what is it about supernaturalism that draws you? And I guess just people in general. I mean, at this time of year, you just can't. That's what we're all talking about. Sure. I think definitely the thought that there is something more than us out there. It can kind of go hand in hand with religion or aliens or any kind of belief that you have that we are not here by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I guess it just gets spookier. Legend carries and people think about all of that. It gets spookier at this time of the year, but I think they're out there all the time. And there's no way that there's not something else. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ari? We have Ariana Auber also in the studio.
2: She's our our booze, wine, and spirits writer, but not in the supernatural way. Are you a believer in supernatural stuff? Um, you know I love watching those uh, scary movies with the sort of supernatural element because I think those are like the scariest ones. <laughs> but I some, I tell myself that they don't really exist because mm-hmm. I think that would freak me out too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. interesting though because my Catholic grandmother, you know, she's very religious, but I think sh- but she's told me before that she believes in ghosts. She mm. she said that. You know, she stayed at the San Antonio, like the Manger Hotel or something mm-hmm. and swears that there was this, you know, the ghost of some somebody that stood over her and she woke up and there he was. So you write about a lot of bars. Yes. Why do you think that we have there's so many ghost stories that come from bars? Um, maybe because people get a little bit. they they start telling stories yeah yeah well you think about liquor as a way it it is something that has always been part of the storytelling process and when you're you've got a captive audience and you've got to pass time I mean that's the the other great thing about bar culture is that it's really an excuse to get together with your friends and to tell stories
1: and when you run out of the what are you doing today stories you got to find some other stories to tell exactly and that's how we like to look at ourselves is like a bunch of friends going out on a Friday or Saturday night, and one of them just happens to be dressed up and knows a lot about ghosts and history. So, where do you find these people? <laughs> a lot of our guides are actors. Local area acting kind of goes hand in hand with storytelling because you love a crowd. For me, when I saw the posting for the job two years ago, I said, Wow, ghost stories and beer. And being the center of attention. And it was like the job was made for me. And, you know, the rest is history.
2: I love it. Um, Okay, so how much... I'm really interested in the historical piece of this. Because I think that when we tell ghost stories, it's also a way for us to tell historical stories just with a hook that keeps people in modern day maybe interested in a way that they wouldn't be if there wasn't the supernatural element to it so where did you go for these ghost stories I mean are these part of the the lore the the legends of each of the cities that you're in did you you consult with somebody is there a textbook on ghosts that I don't know about
1: (laughs) there's I mean there's lots of books written um but a lot of our stories we we start with the history um Austin is like super rich with history because it was you know basically from the beginning of Texas, here we have Austin, um, and then the back and forth with Houston is is a lot of fun, opening those two cities and uh, throw some San Antonio ghosts in there, but the history is so rich that we kind of look up, well, what was here way back when, and what happened way back when? I mean, obviously, people died a lot easier, a lot younger, or disasters happened, things like that, so there are a lot more deaths, and you can kind of gather from the people who work in the bars say hey have you ever had anything weird happen and sometimes they're like no that's dumb and then sometimes they're like oh my gosh I will not close the bar by myself and so a lot of that that's where I say okay that place now some of the stories are you've you've heard everybody knows the Driscoll Hotel is haunted um, but some of the stories are not quite as known where maybe I have heard about a historic place and I will go to often they're they're their Google page or their um, Yelp or TripAdvisor, and then you just do a search for haunted. And then you get to find firsthand stories. So it's not like... From
2: patrons. Exactly. Not just it's not there. like a story yeah. that's
1: passed through the grapevine for legends over and over again. It's actually a story that someone was like, oh my gosh, I was here yesterday and someone was poking me in the face, but there was no one there.
2: Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, and you're also just making me... I mean, it's like we tell these stories at night that's when bars really thrive. One of the last businesses to be open in a city is a bar. And that's that's this was true in the 1800s and that's true today.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of these bars are, you know, a lot of historical places. It's the perfect setup for a restaurant or a bar, you know, because it's a cool draw to the place. It's like, hey, come have a great dinner, but also learn about the people that died here in 1892 that's when you get me excited i'm like 1892 that's like
2: (laughs) prime time oh yeah i love that kind of stuff i think i am it's still it's daylight outside so i think i'm prepared to hear a ghost story if you have one to tell me if it were 10 o'clock at night, I would be too scared.
1: Just because it's daytime does not mean that there's not a ghost standing right behind you right now. Are you telling me something I need to know? Ooh, actually, I, I myself, I believe in ghosts like hardcore. Yep. And I desperately want to see one. I have never seen one. I've, I've felt strange things. I've walked through cold spots and I've gotten chills that you know I can't explain. But the first experience I had... I've been doing this for two years. I've been to several cities opening other tours, and the first experience I had was actually right here in Austin. It was in one of our bars, and um, it was opening weekend, and our guides were telling their stories. They were doing a great job, and I was kind of just standing back, letting them do their thing and being proud of my Austin babies when all of a sudden I felt a hand, like, gently caress my face, kind of down my neck. So I immediately turn around with my fist ready to just punch some drunk guy, and there was no one there. And I promise you, something touched me. One of the girls that was on the tour, she saw me acting strange, and so she started taking pictures. And when she looked at the photographs, there was a shadow that was standing behind me, but it was moving closer to me with each picture that she took. So I geeked out completely. I texted everybody I know. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got touched by a ghost. It was a pervert ghost, but I don't care. It was my first ghost experience right here in Austin.
2: Wow. Gave me goosebumps. That's for sure. <laughs> um, do you have any historical stories from Austin? I mean, I've heard, you know, there was the legend of the um, the maid downtown who supposedly killed a bunch of people. I don't know. Basically, there are a couple of haunted... I haven't ever gone on a ghost tour downtown. I'd like to. um, And i heard some of them about the Driscoll. But are there any historical stories about Austin
1: that you know? Oh, absolutely. One of my favorites and a a crowd favorite is the Servant Girl Annihilator. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this guy just murdered a bunch of women within like a year span. And no one could figure out who he was. No one could catch him. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. People are even, like, relating it to Jack the Ripper. Like, he showed up a couple years later in London. The strange thing about it, this was in the um, 1890s. And this was before H.H. Holmes had his um, murder castle in Chicago for the World's Fair. He was named America's first serial killer. I don't know about this murder castle. Oh, it's the creepiest story in the whole wide world. Uh, H.H. Holmes was this total creep. And he had this... Giant hotel built in Chicago for the World's Fair. The plans were insane. He had like hallways that led to nowhere. He had rooms that had secret trap doors and secret hideaways. He had slides that led down to the basement. He basically was building this castle that enabled him to just kill people. And then people from out of town would come in for the World's Fair and he would kill them. How many people did he kill? I- the number is like not even known. He claims it was hundreds and hundreds of people. It was nuts. So they finally like caught him and he killed himself and all that fun stuff. It's just you know it's a lovely story. Wow. Uh, but it's it's super creepy. But he was listed as America's first serial killer. But that's because the servant girl annihilator here in Austin was kind of swept under the rug. A lot of the information that. Was on him, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. I mean, largely because what city wants to be known as the first place to have a serial killer? Austin was like, "No thanks." Well, on, on, the victims were also women of color. Yes, and except yeah. for the last two, yeah, and that's that's what was strange. Although, to me, I think that some dudes, some white dudes, wanted to kill their wives and kind of used that as a copycat mm-hmm. killing thing. Mm-hmm. But yes, they were all uh, they were all cooks. Hmm. Yeah. Interestingly enough, yeah.
2: interesting. Well, we really appreciate you coming all the way to Austin to tell us some of these ghost stories. And if people want to find out more and join one of these tours, how can they find you?
1: Well, they can find us on our website. It is nightlyspirits.com. We also have a Facebook and a Twitter. Any of our Texas cities are loads of fun. Um, if you want to take one tour and then take another one, we'll we'll do return customer. What are the Texas cities? You've got Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And Dallas. And Dallas. Yes, Dallas is an interesting one because at least down here we kind of embrace our history. Dallas is like, oh that's old, tear it down let's put something shiny. Mm. So the tour was interesting there to really find the history because there's not a lot of things there that predate 1900 Mm. because the city was just like I want something shiny, let's build a tall building. So Dallas is very progressive in moving forward. I bet there are some spirits up there who want to be remembered. Oh yeah. The ones we do find are aggressively saying, hey, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing these stories with us, Katie. (laughs) This is great.
3: And now it's time for the part of the show we call The Toast. Okay. We're going to keep this spooky train chugging along here with Austin 360 staffers Joe Gross, Emily Quigley, and Katie Pinchick. So, Joe, how would you start us off?
0: Uh, I wrote a piece recently about a woman named Kayla Genesi who is on the board of the Fantastic Fest board. She used to live in Austin. She's a horror, uh, and genre film expert, and she was a programmer at the Alamo Draft House for a long time. And a couple of years ago, she wrote a book called House of Psychotic Women, which is a half memoir, half sort of academic analysis of, of uh, women in, in horror films. And it's one of these books that sort of came out to a limited amount of fanfare. And as the years have gone on, more and more people discover it, and more and more people read it, and more and more people think, this might be kind of a classic. It's like no other book I have ever read. And so I decided to chat with her when she was in town after Fantastic Fest about women in horror, and um, she uh, was a wonderful. She's a wonderful interview. Uh, the book is brilliant, and she pointed out something that I had never ever thought about. This is just one little factoid in in what could have been a conversation that could have gone on for three hours and you know fifteen thousand words in the paper. Uh, she pointed out that you know about fifty percent of movies made in general, just general films, pass the Bechtel, the Beck. Bechdel test which is uh, you know if there are two women on screen talking to each other two named women on screen talking to each other about something other than a guy and it's not a barometer of whether a film is feminist or not it doesn't have anything to do with content just has to do it just has to do with representation and she pointed out that horror films pass the Bechdel test at a far higher rate than any other genre. It's like something like 80 or 90%. Hmm. And it can be something as little as we got to get the hell out of here because most horror films are about women. And uh, it was just a fascinating conversation. She is extremely smart. I cannot recommend her book enough. It is just bonkers.
4: What I really liked in your interview with her was talking about how women. Um, are such fans of horror and that for years that wasn't really maybe recognized totally. um, it was much more seen as you know a guy's thing and one of the quotes she had which I'm just going to paraphrase here because I can't remember it exactly but it really struck a chord with me was the idea that you know women being squeamish is ridiculous because <laughs> just think about what women go through every day all the time with their own bodies yeah so <laughs> why would you think we're wimps yeah
0: yeah it, uh, that that does that does jump out at you
3: yeah, that was a really it. It's cool to see how like when was that book published?
0: It first came out in 2012, and, and it like was this, sort, yeah. It this, was sort of quiet, and then it just kept building, and like she went through a couple more printings, and it's amazing.
3: This year alone, with like Hereditary being like one of the best scary films I've seen in a long time, and Halloween, and just a lot of like female focus forward just this year. It's really cool. I want to yeah. go check that book out.
0: It's uh yeah. I think you'll love it. I mean, something she pointed out. I just want to. Uh, expand on what Emily said about women in horror is that Kayla made the case that women were always big fans of horror and their fandom was always fervent as she put it Uh, but they weren't particularly visible because when you would go meet other horror fans it was at something like a horror convention and those can be kind of uncomfortable places and Kayla pointed out two things that sort of brought uh, women's horror fandom to the fore number one the internet where you could sort of start your own horror blog, write your own horror reviews, start writing for movie sites, and then sort of work your way up to writing uh, professional paid criticism. And the other thing she pointed out was the explosion of film festivals, which can be more comfortable places for people. And uh, I I thought that was really interesting that it wasn't a question of um, you know whether uh, female horror fans existed it was a question of whether they were visible or not uh, which is you know true of a lot of things
3: you know one of the best things i've seen at fantastic Fest, like going year and year and year i've seen the like women's bathroom line get longer and longer and longer <laughs> yeah totally exactly <laughs> like if my lake line year I was just like in and out and like the guys were still waiting so that's been really cool House
5: of, House of Psychotic Women is also what Emily and I call the corner of the newsroom that she and I sit in.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to get shirts made. Yeah. going to one of the street avenue signs. Yeah, yes, Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. Speaking of which, Emily, what do you have?
4: Well, uh, first thing I want to talk about was, of course, the big movie this October, and that's Halloween. Mm-hmm. It is the sequel to the original, and I would say best slasher movie, 1978's Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis is back as Laurie Strode, Michael Myers is back stabbing people, and it is just amazing if you're a fan of the genre and if you're a fan of the original movie. And we actually rewatched the original before we went to the theater. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I don't think you need to do that, but it really added something to it, because first of all, the original holds up, which is not always the case when I re-watch movies from my youth. Um, we won't name any names, uh, <laughs> But uh, also, there are a lot of mirroring between the two movies, similar scenes played out in different ways. And I think what I like about it is it's not just done as like, oh, here's a little Easter egg for the fans, but they really work with the plot and with um, setting the scene and the tone. And so I really liked that. And Jamie Lee Curtis is just a badass. But she's also a very fully developed character. She is struggling. She's struggled for years. She's been estranged with her family And so that was really interesting to me to see how that personal touch was brought in there. And it really is a story um, not only of a um, mysterious psychotic killer going around, but also a family and how trauma has affected them over the years and how they come together in the end. And so that was, that always, I like that extra level of that there. And you still got that score,
3: like the moment it comes up. Oh (laughs) man,
4: and the the intro, I mean, I'm not going to give any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but the intro is just, it's all great.
5: (laughs) I'm so excited to see it. And I don't go, I don't go to the movies to see horror films. Like I watch them in the comfort of my home where I can pull a blanket over my eyes when I need to, or turn it off when I need to, but this one I'm going to go see.
4: Yes. Well, and then the other thing I want to talk about today, which you can watch at home, and I know Katie yes. has watched, so she's going to jump in here, is The Haunting of Hill House from Netflix. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it is. Now, you know, I was, I was surprised when I started watching this, and I have not gotten the whole way through the series, so there will definitely be no spoilers for me because I don't know what's going on. But I was surprised when I started watching it because it is not it's very loosely based on the
2: book.
5: Yeah, it's not a direct adaptation and mm. I was kind of nervous about the show because I was like how can you out Shirley Jackson Shirley exactly. Jackson like how how are you going to make a perfect thing better. Right. Um but it's more of it's more inspired by
4: That's a good the way book. of putting it I think. Yeah, and I think that Um, What I like about it, just like with Halloween, is it's, you know, a haunted house story. There are ghosts, there are jump scares, there are strange noises and visions and things. But it's also really a story about a family and trauma and how those ghosts of our past keep haunting us over the years. And it flashes back in time. There's this family when the children and the parents and then the children as adults. And the story is told in those two different time periods. and. It's just a really um, great look at the horror of our everyday lives in some ways.
3: I haven't watched it just because I know that there's like, what is it? There's ghosts just in the background just there chilling? There are.
5: I, I, I looked at an article from Vulture yesterday that was like, <laughs> here are 23 ghosts that we found in the background. No, thank you. And it was scenes that weren't even scary mm-hmm. scenes. There were just I'm like people standing in the back.
4: You um, really have to pay attention or rewatch to see yeah, some Yeah,
5: and the thing that I like about the show is that I don't, I'm, like, hesitant about horror in general because I don't like jump scares for the sake of jump scares. I don't like gore for the sake of gore. Like, it needs to be, like, tasteful and, like, creepy, not, like, jump out and scare you. But the jump scares were very tasteful. Like, it wasn't – I didn't feel like I was freaking out the entire time. I saw somebody um, on Twitter refer to it as this is us with ghosts, which is, like, weirdly (laughs) a really accurate way to describe it because of the family drama, drama. Sure. Yeah, also this house
4: is amazing. It's incredible. And I saw someone on Twitter say essentially oh darn I'm going to have to be killed and haunt this house for the rest of my life. Bring it on because you would want to live here no matter what was rattling around you. It, it is so gorgeous. It has this sick
5: spiral staircase mm. that yeah. I would kill for. It's s- no wonder there are so many ghosts in that house because if, no one if I died leave. in there I would want to stay.
3: This sounds like the kind of horror where you watch it like you know the jump scares the supernatural stuff. It's like I can leave that at the movie theater and go back home and sleep soundly but this seems to kind of be like the slow burn where when you're not yeah. watching it like it's still kind of in the back of your head yeah
5: I'm still I'm still thinking about it like it, it yeah. sticks with you
4: when well, I think haunted Good house stuff. stories always have that effect on me because it's that idea of you should be safe at home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you have this story where your very home is what you're fighting against um that's really scary to me I think more than other things that you could kind of pass off as oh well there's no guy in a mask running around stabbing people or there's no one you know living underneath the lake or whatever
3: yeah, good talk. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you can sleep at night. Yeah, Cool. Uh,
5: Katie, did you have something else less scary? Uh,
3: or or you're just like downhill from here? Uh, maybe not. Great.
5: It's, it's a little less scary. <laughs> it's scary in a different way. I've been re-listening to Lore, um, which is a great podcast that started in 2015. Um, but I've been, I'm training for a few races right now. So I've been going through all of the good storytelling podcasts that I love on my runs. And Lore is just so good because it explores all of these like old folklore stories about you know elves and fairies and Bigfoot and and stuff like that that you kind of know the story of but you don't know how it started Hmm. um and it's just really great it holds up it's still the podcast is still going but I caught up all the way on it and I just kind of started over again and um and it's still it's still great and it's it is spooky I listened to an episode I had kind of a driveway moment Hmm. um with an episode about um i think it was i think it was elves or something like that or s- something weird in the forest and i walked into my dark house and my roommate wasn't home and i was like oh gosh like i gotta turn all the lights on <laughs> gotta run upstairs in case somebody's here some elves hiding not the
3: shoe cobbler kind
5: i suppose no no oh,
3: okay. the creepy ones not the creepy like ones.
5: no not the beautiful ones yeah not the cute ones the creepy ones um I've also been watching on Netflix the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, which is legitimately the weirdest show I think I've ever seen. It's a baking show. It's this woman who's this cool goth baker lady making these incredible cakes and concoctions, but it's produced by Jim Henson's company. I think. Oh, OK. Oh, so okay. there are also like weird little Muppet creatures there's a mummified cat that talks that's very um <laughs> dry and sarcastic and, that is like, the
4: scariest thing we've talked about. Salem today. from Sabrina, a but a
5: mummy sure. and also very into murder. This like, cat? Yeah. All of the all like cats weird are creatures. Very into murder. I mean, yes. yeah. Um, <laughs> they know physics. There's no? a raccoon with a fork for a hand. What? Awesome. It loves to eat.
0: Sure. I'm they telling do. y'all, it's I thought true.
5: somebody had drugged me when I put this show on because I was like, is this for kids? Is it for grown-ups? She's making cakes, but at one point the raccoon and the cat like kidnap the neighbor and want to torture him in the basement. It is so weird, well, but I can't baking. stop watching <laughs> no, it. Not
0: only does she Not only does she make cakes, but she makes it, it's it's like the level of difficulty on these desserts is mind-boggling. Like I've seen several people on Twitter watching the show and enjoying it, and then sort of hitting this almost like a disconnect point where she's making the cakes. And I've seen several people say, and this is a quote from several different accounts, ain't nobody got time for that. Come on.
5: Yeah, like she made a cake version of the house in the show. And at first she's very like, you do this and then you do this and then you do this, your normal baking show. And then it cuts forward and she's like several hours later and it's like the most elaborate like three-story cake with all this, like, hand piping on it that no normal human is going to do. So it's not even a show about how to bake stuff. It's more of just watching this weird spectacle. I don't know. I'm super into it. I don't know why. Okay, because it sounds like it's an instructional how-to. Like, there's no
3: connection with the viewer. But then Mm-mm. you say, like, you know, kidnapping, and it makes it sound like a narrative.
0: It's like the it's pu- both, yeah. It's like the puppet goth opposite of nailed it.
5: yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and there are some things that a normal person can make, like she makes like little gift a gift basket for the neighbor kind of thing, like small things. But then she makes these crazy elaborate cakes that no human alive can do except for her. It's so weird. Huh.
4: Was the gift basket before or after the kidnapping?
5: Um, during. <laughs> she okay. Wow. Didn't, she didn't go. know about the kidnapping. <laughs> ah, what's the raccoon's name? Do you know? Oh, I can't remember.
3: Or I've been so.
5: watching it falling asleep, which <laughs> is there, very Good weird. job. Yeah. Oh wow! There's something weirdly calming about it. I don't know. Oh yeah, it that sounded was... like an
3: ASMR, like a it kind like of a is. spooky ASMR because you can't do it. Yeah, you can't bake that stuff. It sounds like that she's making, and but she's you're just so watching.
5: pleasant. Like, oh okay. It she's a weird foil to these like evil muppets that live in her house because she's so kind of pleasant, and you know she dresses very like. 50s housewife style like dresses and things like that but she has these evil murderous pets I don't know it's so weird
3: kind of sound like that Amy Sedaris cooking show she has where Mm -hmm. it just goes like nuts
0: yeah a little bit like that but way more goth and more controlled like more sort of Patrol. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not describing this it very too. well. It's it, yeah, it's yeah. one of those.
5: It's it's hard to describe until you watch it, and yeah. even after you watch it, it's hard to
0: describe. Goth puppet baking show. Yeah, and that's so is as good yeah. as that's all you have go. to say.
5: Well, cool. So that's on Netflix. Um, that's on Netflix. I've also been watching another show on Netflix, which is also very weird, which is creeped out. It's a. It was originally a British show, I think, and it's only been put on Netflix recently. But it's another one of those things that you can't really figure out if it's for kids or not. It's like. Black Mirror for Kids, and mm. also kind of Goosebumps, it's not like scary, scary, but it's like horror stories about like a group of girls camping in the woods, and there's some weird plant that is like poisonous in some way. Like Are You Afraid and of the Dark or something? Yeah, it has like elements of Are You Afraid of the Dark, elements of Goosebumps, but it's it's modern in a way that feels very Black Mirror-y, and um it's not like a great show it's it's pretty campy um but it was really enjoyable i watched the whole thing in a weekend it was like a, a nice easy show to watch not oh. not too creepy
3: so don't leave home but then want to leave home yeah exactly <laughs> nice so just to go back on things um joe your articles on austin three yes ma'am cool um, Halloween is in theaters at the moment. Yes, go see it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Katie, uh, I noticed, I remember on Austin36.com, you actually kind of put down a couple of articles about spooky things.
5: Yeah, yeah. We have a whole bunch of articles about, um, we have some stuff that we've we've recycled from over the years. Joe has a fun Halloween playlist. Yes. Up. Um, we've got a gallery of haunted places in Austin. We've got some Halloween cocktails. We've got... Um, family friendly spooky movie recommendations we've got all kinds of stuff cool and we'll link all that into the show notes thanks so much guys
0: thank you
3: and that's our show thanks for listening and thanks for our sponsor Hilton Austin our theme music is provided by local band Heartproof to keep up with us online we are Love Austin 360 on Twitter Instagram and Facebook if you get a chance Please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the Features
2: staff at the Austin American Statesman. And the show is produced by Alyssa Vidales and Addie Broyles.
3: You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch us an idea for the show or give us some feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 512-912-2504. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners. And we can't thank you enough for lending us your
2: ears, your comments, and your caramel apples on a stick. Until next week, we'll see you standing in line to vote at a polling place near you.